There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's a little bit funny This feeling sad I'm not one of those Who can easily hide We don't have much money But boy, if you gave us $2.50 a month We'd make more shows And stop a full-time job if I were a full-time book boys But then again, yes Or a man who makes books In a traveling show I know it's not much $2.50 now or 3 euros But it's a bargain for you Okay, if this, these episodes, I think we've got over a hundred for you. And you can tell every- everybody this was made especially for you. It may be quite simple, but it's really long. It'll fill up every day. That's right, Dean. Are you ready? I hope you don't mind. I hope I- you don't mind. That we put down these words. How wonderful books, boys, and playboys is on Patreon for two dollars fifty or three euros a month. Well, I was kind of sad these days because I want to do some more episodes for you. It's kind of hard when we don't make money, so we really prayed, appreciated donation. But the sun's been quite kind. When we make this episode about an Irish play, it's for people like you that we keep doing more episodes. So excuse me for forgetting and for arriving quite late. You see, I've forgotten the time difference and I was enjoying the piano. Anyway, the thing is, well, what I really mean, yours are the sweetest eyes. I don't know why I'm singing the song to you. It's become quite romantic. Ooh la la. I hope you can tell everybody that Books Boys got an extra hundred episodes or more on Patreon. 
It only costs three euros to hear us every day for a month. And you, you'll never be lonely, cause you always hear voices, and you'll always hear about Dickens, Balzac, and Tolstoy methods. Woohoo! And I hope that you don't mind that I wrote this little song for you, cause we created an episode just for you. Come on, Dean. I, I hope, hope you, you don't mind. mind. I hope you I don't hope mind. You don't mind. That we put down in words How wonderful Playboys is On Patreon For $2.50 an hour And 3 euros In the European zone Welcome To an extra episode of Playboys For some reason I'm an extra guest here And I'm a quickie shivering man so i will be co-hosting the show with these two individuals okay and your name my name is jeremy hello jeremy we've got i'm thrown i don't know how to start the show now (laughs) (laughs) well the thing is some crazy things have happened dean i think my personality has been split in two while i fell down cutting wood today in the forest so um, you have to deal with uh, three hosts today, guys. That's right. And I have a quickie voice, and you have to be patient with me. So, all right, Jeremy, you just take it easy there. You can mainly listen today. So, uh, Dean, what's what's the special episode of Playboys for only? Let me repeat it. That hasn't been clear. Two point five dollars a month. I think I think it's the other way around. I think it's three dollars or two pounds fifty or three <laughs> euros or two. I'm not sure, but look, we got it. We got it down. I'm not sure how the currency conversions work. Um, well, it's, uh, it's, it's I do know cheap. one thing. At one point, you said two dollars an hour. It's it's, it's definitely not two dollars an hour. <laughs> oh, did I say that? Okay. <laughs> well, the 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 message of the song was uh, plagiarizing the song a bit, but you know. It's the message is it's very cheap. Sign up for uh, for Patreon yeah. for a very cheap. One. And this is the this is the best place to promote that because all the people listening have already <laughs> have already signed up. So. Oh, okay. So yeah. <laughs> no, I'm gonna play it on Books Boys. So there we go. Okay. Okay. Well. Okay. Well, the logistics having me thought I was very improvised. I, I we did not write the lyrics, so I think we should get a clap on the backs for that. It's completely improvised. That. <laughs> Yes, and I'll, I'll play it on Books Boys and we'll attract some uh, sponsors. So let me, let me, I don't know. Okay, okay. Deep breath. Hey, hey, welcome to Playboys Extra. Got Dean welcome. and PJ and possibly other, I think. Jeremy? Yes, Jeremy was a quickie voice. <laughs> okay, this show's <laughs> in the toilet. Um, in the shadow of the Glen. In so. the shadow of it's a very long intro i don't think we ever took so long to start with the actual play no it's thrown me i have no idea how to start in the shadow of glenn i i picked this play let me just start because it's singe exactly david uh by by sing is his name but his name is often confused there is a famous film called sing streets because it's it's set on the street called uh after him but sing is a play writes um who has largely been forgotten a bit, maybe outside Ireland. He wrote Playboy of the Western World, which was a big hit at the time. And this is a almost forgotten play outside Ireland in the Shadow of the Glen, a one-act play. So mm-hmm. I think it's a 
Um, the second one. I mean, I will, is it remembered in Ireland? I, I've never heard of it. Uh, Sing might be for Playboy of the Western Worlds. And um, yeah, but um, not for this play very much. But my aunt, who's, um, play, who's a, a theater director, she sent this to me. And um, I, I really loved it. So I thought it was great. What did you think of it? It's interesting because, so I liked it, first of all. Um, okay, it's interesting because it is very short. Um, yeah. You know, it, it is a one act play. So it's, 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 this is not a Shakespeare length, you know, so it's, it's tricky to get this. It's not even the length of like a doll's house or something. Like it is very no, short. It, it took me half an hour to read. That's, and I'm a slow reader. So, I mean, yeah, it took it 20, 20 minutes or something. You know, you can sit down yeah. and read it on your, on your tea break and work or something. You know, it is short. Um, initially, I struggled because they, they speak very colloquially and mm. it's very colloquial and very Irish. And, you know, I hear people speak like that, but I've never seen it written like that, you know, mm. like written so so colloquially. And I struggled the first kind of page or two until I kind of got into the swing of it, you know? Mm, that's interesting you say that, yeah. I think that's interesting you say that because um, I think that's the whole point of the play. It's, it's first of all, um, supposed to maybe hear, hear it, so you're hearing it. And what Singh did, and what a lot of, I suppose you're into Spanish realism, what's, what realists started doing is incorporating dialects and starting to write it down. Not the classical English or classical Spanish, but writing down the dialect. And Singh really tried this. He spent a lot of time in, um, in rural areas around Ireland, uh, listening to people talk and writing it down. And this is an example, but I think it's interesting you say that, that reading it at the first few pages is difficult. Then after a while, you hear the music, you hear the dialect in your head and it's easier. Yeah, exactly. Once I got, cause you know, cause I'm used to, I'm used to this dialect, you know, people, people speak like that, like that in Ireland. I just hadn't kind of read anything like that. So it just took me yeah. that page or two to kind of get used to it, you know, but yeah, yeah, it was grand. Yeah. Well, uh, just a bit of backdrop um, for you guys. Uh, this is a play from 1903. And again, Singh is basically one of it. There is an Irish renaissance where people start going to rural places in Ireland a bit before that was Wind Butler Yates. And I think Singh is slightly less lyrical, though. He's a bit more realistic. He went to the Iron Islands near Galway, where Irish culture was very much preserved. And he really studied the Irish language, not just the English, and also in between that, the Hibernian English, the Irish dialect. And his idea was to put this, um, to write all this down and document it. Um, talking about Doll's House, I think I want to start with that. No, sorry. Let's start with the story, Dean. Do you want to talk about that? And then I'd like to get back to Doll's House and compare it a bit with this play. Okay. We can begin, I think, just briefly. Just I, I always like to list the dramatis personae. Um, or here are just as persons in my version, but... I don't know yes. what persons are, but dramatis personae, I can I can tell you about that. So. Well, again, Singh will be <laughs> rebelling. I'm afraid Singh will be rebelling Shakespeare and Cole with his English. So, I mean, mm. Uh, mm. so we have um, a farmer, Dan Burke, and his wife Nora Burke, and there's a young, you know, shepherd or goat herd, um, Michael Dara, and a tramp, mm-hmm. and that's it. Literally, <laughs> it four characters. Four characters, yeah, just one woman. Mm-hmm. And actually, Dan Burke is dead when we enter the play, so. Essentially, yeah. there's three characters. Yeah, and set in County Wicklow in a cottage. That is a very simple setting. It's just one setting. So we yeah, know. I, it's, think, it's, I think a fairly simple, um, you know, set here with it being one scene, and um, there's not a lot of changes happening during the play. Definitely, yeah. So we open with the tramp and Nora, and I guess 
the tramp knocks on the heist. It looks like it's a pretty rough night in terms of the weather yeah. and the tramp knocks and kind of asks, you know, I'm kind of going about my rounds out in the rain and maybe you'll you know, take me in and give me a little sip of something and, you know, let me yeah. warm myself up a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. And Nora, you know, it's, it's kindly. Well, I, you know, initially I like Nora and I thought, yeah, she's a yeah. nice lady. She's taken him in. That's nice. I didn't know if I liked the tramp yet or not because I didn't mm-hmm. know, is he genuine or, you know, is he going to rob her or something? But no, he doesn't. So that's that's fine. So, so far I'm thinking, okay, they're, they're two decent characters. Morally. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. And then what happens is that, well, what happens is pretty simple, right? He discovers that um, Nora is agitated because her husband just died, but she can't leave the dead body behind. So she's kind of been waiting for someone to come and take care of the dead body while she goes and inform um, the local community. She lives in an isolated area. So that's very clear. Very isolated, very rural. Yeah. Yeah. So Dan Burke's, you know, the actor playing Dan Burke would, I suppose, at this point, just be lying there dead. You know, I think he's a sheet over him at, at one point, but um, essentially, yeah, they, they chat a little bit and they get to know each other. You know, the Tramp and Nora. Um, but you're right. The main, the main crux of this is is the Tramp discover who is never named, uh, discovering that you know, okay, the husband is dead, um, and she can't even tell anyone. You know, because she's got to get out and uh, she can't can leave him alone. So she wants him to kind of someone to be there so that she can go out and actually tell people, you know, we need to organize something. You know, my husband's dead. Um, and he asks her for some, you know, needle to sew up his coat and whatever um, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and she gives that to him. So she's and I think she gives him a sip of whiskey or brandy or something. So she's quite, quite hospitable. Um, so it starts they, out pretty benign, though, apart from the fact that it's... Um... You know, it starts off very kind of, what's the point? It's just very, there's not, doesn't seem much of a plot apart from the fact that there's a dead body. That's the only, that's the only like non, that's the only unusual thing about it. Yeah, uh, so the, the dead body is, is, is the only thing that's not an idyllic little cottage scene, you know? Exactly. Um, there's also this weird rule. So she's not allowed to touch the dead body. It was in his yeah. kind of last wishes that only, I think it's his sister, only his sister could, could touch the body and she has to come exactly. from a few miles away. Yeah, from quite far away. And yeah, so that seems a bit suspicious as well. Um, so then she leaves and leaves the tramp uh, to be with his with the dead body. But as soon as she leaves, what happens is that <laughs> that uh, dead body rises from bed and uh, complains about, you know, that's, you know, about, about the woman, about what a difficult wife she's been. And this is very surreal. I mean, did you expect that? Uh, did you no, think- no. I So I was unclear that the husband was actually there the whole time initially. And then obviously they start to talk about it. So I start to realize, okay, the body is in the room. Um, but then I thought, okay, I guess we only have three characters, not four. And then he gets up and that, that took me by surprise. You know, I, I did not um, expect that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, don't be a feared stranger. A man that's dead can do no hurt. So I like that. It's a bit of a Lazarus kind of. I, you know, I, I always enjoy when there's a surreal element to, um, you know, breaking yeah. reality. You know, and the, you know and like the tramp says, yeah, I, "I mean, you no harm, Your Honor." He always calls her the lady of the house. You know, he's very respectful, very, yeah. um, you know, giving them their place in in their house, giving them respectful titles, Your Honor, Your my lady, and things like that. You, you know, and they're not they're not like aristocrats or anything. He's just being respectful. You know. Whereas Dan isn't. He um, he kind of insults her a lot. 
even though she's, you know. Well, I was inclined to take his side, but I, I don't know. It's difficult hmm. to say. Um, but he seems to be of the opinion that, you know, she doesn't really love him and, and wants him dead and is potentially, mm. you know, going in. I don't, it's not expressly stated that she's cheating on him, but she's at least going yeah. in and chatting to lots, you know, other young farm men and, and things like that. And they mentioned a chap, Darcy, and things at one point. And there was, you know, so there's this idea that she's getting out and, and chatting to people. So initially, I think, okay, you know, he's pretending to be dead to see maybe what her reaction is. Like, does she care that he's uh-huh. dead? Is she happy? Does she immediately bring a new yeah, boyfriend yeah. in? You know, so I understand he's essentially testing her, which if you've listened to Playboys before, when, when, when I do Shakespeare, especially the ones I've done with Alex, I always say, do not test your partner. But in, in this yeah. case, I'm going to let it go. <laughs> I love testing on partners in, uh, in plays. Yeah. Um, uh, all right. So what happens then is that she, well, okay. So they have a chat and basically she comes back with Michael, the fourth character, a younger man who's um who's basically you heard <laughs> indeed and so a young herds michael comes back and again dan is pretending to be dead and made the tramp promise not to say anything and basically yeah what would you say is next do you think that michael and Nora are flirting a bit or michael wants something um... from her I think Nora just enjoys the company, to be honest. Yeah, it seems yeah. like her husband really maybe brought a bit of this on himself because it doesn't seem like he was very pleasant, to be honest, or at least mm-hmm. that's kind of the impression she gives. And she likes chatting to these other young men. There's no implication, yeah. as I say, that she did anything with them. But now, of course, the young chap does propose marriage to her. Um, yeah. So Dan's like the thing, okay, you know, I was right. But she doesn't jump in and say, oh, finally, you know, she's kind of like, well, why would I marry you? <laughs> Although, you know, yeah. so I don't, I don't know how to place her intentions, um, but she's not been, sad that her, she's not sad that her husband's dead. That's for sure. No, she's not particularly sad. Uh, doesn't seem to be a happy marriage. And Michael then said, "It's too lonesome. You are living a long time as an old man, Nora, and you're talking again like a herd that will be coming down from the thick mist." He puts his arm around her, but it's a fine life you have now as a young man. Fine life, surely. And I, then Dan sneezes violently. And Michael tries to exit, but he doesn't quite get there. Well, um, you missed one little detail I would just want to bring up, which might yeah. place a little bit more culpability on Nora, is that she's counting coins. Ah, uh, yeah, so exactly. She yeah. is already thinking, well, if I were to marry him, how much money would we have? And she's counting up the, her little stock of coins in her stocking, you know. Okay. So that turns me against her a little bit, you know. Um, yeah. Because maybe she was preparing for this, but it's, or she's just dealing with the circumstances as they present themselves to her. It's it's not really clear whether she wanted this or not, you know. Mm, indeed, yes. And so then, basically, he arises from the non-dead Dan, who was just pretending, and he starts accusing Michael and Nora of basically, well, basically everything, right, of not caring for him and being, you know, you know, being an evil woman. And he's basically cursing her to leave the to live the life of a, of a kind of a, of a prostitute with lonesome roads ahead of her. He's banning her 
outside from his home. Yeah, so this, you know, he doesn't offer to fix things. And to be fair, I suppose you wouldn't offer to fix your marriage when you find out that your wife is happy that you're dead and is counting the money and potentially mm. already engaged to someone, you know, within hours. So I suppose you wouldn't be thrilled, but he kicks her I out of the house. Now, here's the problem. And again, it's this sexist problem of, you know, this idea that it's the man's property and he's the one earning the, earning the yeah. bread because he then yeah. says, well, it's my house, get out. You know, yeah. and she's like, what am I going to do? Like, where am I going to go? Like, am I going to roam around with the tramp? Like, you know, and he's like, doesn't care. Yeah. Well, you see, Michael, you see, also steps out. So he was promising to give her a home. But as soon as he realized Dan is alive and he's just kind of frightens into a corner and doesn't give her the home. No, he doesn't. He doesn't want a woman that he can't marry and then to live in, you know, again, 1900s. Well, 1903. So, you yeah. know, a little bit stricter morals than we would have, you know, obviously today, maybe not quite as strict as some of the, the you know, Shakespeare plays and things, but still it wouldn't have been good for her to live, you know, a married woman to be living with a single man, you know. So then the tramp offers to accompany her on the lonesome road, which he describes as not so lonesome road, which he describes for wonders and the great rain coming with the sun again. It's very, I find this is the most poetic part. He picks it up a little bit. He makes it nice for her. Yeah, he makes it nice for her. He's saying, yes, there will be times of rain, but then you can look forward to tomorrow will be a better day. Um, it's a wild night. God help us, but it will pass surely, you'll be saying, he says. Nice. How easily does she just go along with this? Like, if this happened, you know, I'm looking, well, I'm living, you know, look at the house next to me, for example. If the man just said oh. to the woman, well, oh, how'd you go? There'd be a big fight about it. She wouldn't just say, well, oh, all right then, guess I better go, you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, but she just goes yeah, along with it. She's like, "Yep, guess I've got no choice." Well, I think I think maybe she's in such shock, especially thinking that he was dead. Maybe she's kind of frozen, so the reaction might not. Maybe some people would react like that—that that just in shock. And this is mm-hmm. it's like too incredible. It's like a dream. It's a very submissive way to act, but at the same time, you know, I guess within that society, like it is his yeah. house potentially. She has betrayed him by not loving him by being thankful that he's dead so maybe she feels like okay it didn't work out i have to go like what am i gonna what else can i really do at this point you know maybe she doesn't feel that she has much choice yeah and the ending massively surprises me um because he kicks her out and then michael comes back and dan and michael sit down and, and have a drink and toast each other's good health um, and again, <laughs> no. again, I should stress, it's not because this was pre-planned or anything. Dan basically says, you know, well, Michael, you're not such a bad chap. And I need, you know, a friend. I don't want to hear completely lonely. It's interesting to me because Michael did propose, you know, he's annoyed that his wife was potentially um, going to cheat on him or whatever. Um, but now with one of the very guys, he, he now befriends, you know, which is interesting. Well, look, uh, I think it's an interesting ending. The ending also, I wasn't expecting, I thought it would just end with that. They, the yeah, yeah, it surprised me, just those last very lines. romantic. But yeah, and Dan, Dan asked him to sit down and have a drink with him, and Michael agrees because he had the fear of death put into him by Dan. And Dan says, you know, you're not the worst, Dan, and um, I don't mind you at all because you're a quiet man. And um, Michael rewards him, wishing him good health. Now, I think there are some interesting themes here, and I think everything's pretty... Look, what I can say about this play is um, I had to read it immediately again after reading it because it's just my impression is that it's a really, really well written one act play. I thought this is amazing for one act play. This feels like a full play. doesn't feel yeah, like, a length, yeah, yeah. like a full play, but from the whole kind of progress, I thought I never read a one act play that had so much, um, you know, changes and depth that you would expect in at least a three act play. 
So I thought it was very concise, very well written. 15 pages, it's almost like they're asking to complete a play with the le least words possible in one act. And look, what I'd like to mention is, first of all, um, Doll's House and In the Shadow of the Glen. Do you see any similarities? Because I can pinpoint at least two very important. Okay. Um, this is not a comparison that I had thought of before. Um, just off the top of my head, obviously, we do have the interesting idea, the relationship issues, the fact that maybe the woman feels kind of trapped in the relationship that she's in and, and, and is happy oh. when it's over, this kind of thing. I mean, what, what, what have you got? Well, I've got one. I've got two things. First of all, this is a very realist thing to do in, or naturalist thing to do in um, theater. So again, naturalism being late realism uh, for, for another word. So Ibsen, Strindberg started this in Scandinavia and in the 1870s, 1880s. And it took a while to come over to the rest of the world. So really the 1900s is a perfect time for this to arrive in Ireland. And this is a really naturalist play, I find, because it has just one scene in it which is very typical in Dole's house is only one scene. It's only one setting, a very simple inside setting, similar to Dole's house. Mm -hmm. And also the main character is called Nora, which is the same oh, yeah. name of the woman in the Dole's house. And I don't I think that's a that. coincidence. I think that's, I think it feels like a Ibsen play. And this is a homage to uh, the Irish, the Irish Nora, who is very similar in some sense, maybe not quite as profound, profound but simply because it's not such a long play that i feel like it's still this submissive woman and maybe not quite as rebellious as nora, as nora of the doll's house and similar things are happening like you know a man believes that uh, the woman is his possession now in nora's case the husband is actually quite lovely but he doesn't really give her freedom it's more complex here it's a bit more rough it's like he really doesn't treat her well and Yes, and she's also flirting with other people, but flirting, I mean, I don't blame her because she's living alone in, in, the, in an isolated area. It's Very different isolated, to Dole's yeah. house. In, it's different to Dole's house in one sense. It's, um, it's set in an isolated area, whereas Dole's house is set in, in a city. So there's not that theme of a woman being lonely on, unless you can see the nor of a Dole's house talking with the doctor as being a, a sense of loneliness that she can't really express. So maybe that's the maybe one comparison. But anyway, what did you get from the play? So I really got that comparison between the two plays and the influence Singh got from Ibsen. Um, I well, this is not something that I thought about. Um, to be honest, you know, but now that you you lay it out, maybe it, there is a tribute element there. Um, because I forgot yeah. that the other girl was also called Nora. You know, and things yeah. like that. I think you're spot on. I think that's very very good analysis. I think you're absolutely spot on. And I, I um, think and they're it both is, short plays as well. So I would recommend yeah. everyone just to take, take an arm. You can read them both, you know. Well, it all has a bit, a bit longer. Well, a little, little bit longer. Maybe you can do it in an hour and you can do this one. I, I, yeah, the, I think you can do it in an hour. I just, <laughs> uh, Speedy Gonzalez, uh, Dean, here, can do it in an hour. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I think you could definitely read them all. And they're both as gripping, I find. But I, I think the difference is, though, here that the Ibsen play seems a lot uh, maybe more darker I feel as well and there is no one saving the woman the woman has to kind of save herself which I like where in this case I feel like is Nora really a feminist character is the only thing I wonder because the Trump again <laughs> there seem to be like a man who take care of her but again it's a tram it's it's a man saving Nora which is a key difference whereas in the Ibsen play it's it's quite feminist at the end she decides to leave leave 
So I'm wondering about that. Uh, is it truly a feminist play? Um, only in the sense of like expressing female solitude, but is it a, a feminist decision of, of Nora to go with the Trump? I don't think that she really had much choice, to be yeah, honest. Okay. Um, so I don't know. I'm not sure that she... She'll be content with the tramp, I suppose, as far as she can. But I think she'll miss her home. Um, and yeah. I don't think she particularly wanted to be, you know, to be homeless, to be a tramp. I think she's going... Because they do mention there's some option. There's like a refuge or a, a shelter they can go to. And yeah, say, yeah. Ah, she's, she's not the type to go there. So I think that she's just taking her options as she finds them. But I don't think she's... I don't know if she's expressing power. I, I didn't see this as feminist. I saw this as him kicking her out. And I, yeah. I didn't like that, you know. Yeah, yeah, but it just, but again, like I, th- I feel like Singh and Ibsen there again describing the plight, the the pain of of being a woman in this time, right? So I think mm. that's what they have in common, definitely. Yeah. And, and again, uh, I feel like, and it's more romantic than the Ibsen play by far, because I, I do like the ending. I do like the idea of them, like it's very romantic of a sudden, the idea of them wandering the Irish landscape. And countryside, uh, it becomes very romantic. It's not pure, it's not really a, a strict naturalist play. I mean, that's, that's just very romantic. And the way he describes it, I find it beautiful. It's my favorite part of the play, play where the tramp describes them leaving and all the things they will see. And it's a very Irish depiction. Uh, and on all, 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 I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the Irish dialect as well, him mixing Hibernian English. Ah, I wasn't such a fan of that, uh, but ah. I thought you would like it. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, I, I like my, my posh accents, you know. I can do, indeed you do, indeed you do. So anyway, I think that's uh, what we got. This, I mean, there's plenty of to say about this play. We've talked about it longer than it takes to read, by the way, which I think is very amusing. So we've talked longer than it takes to read. So give it a read now yourself. And leave, leave a comment. Tell us what you think about these plays. And um, we'd love to hear your opinions. And if you can compare it with any other plays. That's it. Um, well, I would say this one's very readable. But yeah, wh- I don't know what play we're going to do next, but we'll be back eventually with something. And when Alex returns, we're going to do, I think, another Shakespeare. We're going to do much to do about nothing eventually, um, myself and Alex. Probably that'll not be for another month or two. But And I, um, I believe there'll be some more Irish uh, plays coming up. Well, not strictly Irish. Let's say he, he's half Irish. He's mm-hmm. kind of Irish brought up in England. We'll keep it a surprise. Can you guess who it is? You can make a wild guess. And Guys, make a guess and uh, answer us on a postcard. Okay, make any guess. Make a wild guess and just tell us if you can think what is who is this playwright? Born in Ireland, but mainly raised in the UK. Hmm. So I I think that is that's us for today. I think. Okay. So keep reading, guys. Keep playing around. Um, is that the new motto? I just created a new motto. That's it, I? guys. This has been. Oh. Playboys Extra. Keep By the playing way. around. By the way, I did not give my comment yet. I sincerely enjoyed the episodes of Dean and PJ. I just want to say that as a complete outsider, I just want to say they're doing a great job. So keep doing a great job and maybe you hear me again. Oh, sorry. Enjoy- so so you're, you're not reviewing the play. You're reviewing us. Well, I'm reviewing you guys. I think that you are absolutely fantastic. We need to make a new show where we review ourselves, reviewing something else. (laughs) I'm going to make a new show. Maybe we should make a new show called Reviewing the Books, Boys. Where's me with my quickie slow voice?
Well, I think we've descended into sufficient levels of nonsense, and I'm going to end the episode. <laughs> are you going to play an outro? Or are you going to play an outro? Indeed, I was just getting the piano. Sat on the roof and kick off the moose with a few of the verses where I've got me quite cross. But the sun's been kind, it's been very kind. We made this episode for people like you. And then let's go. I hope you don't, don't mind. mind. I hope you don't, don't mind. mind that we put down in words. Oh, baby. How wonderful life. You have to add it, oh, baby, right? Every song needs it somewhere. For only two uh, pounds or unit of currency or, or five rubles. Join us at Patreon and join the Books Boys because I believe there are fantastic boys. Well, man, right? See you guys. Ciao. Well, oh, no, I forgot that you catch race already. Enjoy See playing. <laughs> imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.